This is fun. Just having so many people back here. And I can remember when Derek and I came and looked at this property here, um, probably about a month or two ago, imagining that we'd be meeting here. And to actually be here now is just a huge blessing. So a huge thanks to the Vera Lamberts. Thank you for opening up your home. We're very grateful. You know, for the past five years, if you would have driven past my home at 3 a.m., you would have seen the light on. I probably would have been up wandering someplace in my house, trying to find something to do, some way to get myself back to sleep. You see, I love problem solving. That is one of my favorite things to do at work. And for the past five years at work, there's been a lot of problems to solve. And sometimes when you get solving problems, especially the really difficult ones, it's hard to turn it off. It's hard to actually turn your brain off and get yourself to settle down. You get that adrenaline rush, and I'd find myself awake at 3 a.m., trying to solve the problems again, wandering around the house. Now, sometimes that problems, they would become stress, and sometimes that stress would become anxiety, and that would become insomnia until eventually, if you drove past my house, you would see a light on. You know, this last week, it was 3 a.m., and I woke up again for the first time in a while, and I sat up in bed knowing it's time for me to go to walk the house because I didn't want to wake up Melinda. But as I started to get out of bed, she said, are you, are you awake? I said, yeah, I'm awake. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out in the living room. I'll see you soon. And she said, are you really stressed right now? And I said, no. I said, I'm really, really excited. I'm so excited about Coastline. I can't quit thinking about it. I'm just sitting here in bed, just thinking about it. And it's the first time that I ever felt that way. And she grabbed me and said, I've never heard you say that. And I said, I know. I'm so excited. And so much of our excitement comes from you. I mean, it really does. Last week uh, was just an incredible, fun start for us. I mean, it just was a concept. Uh, and I think for some of us, we're still working through some grief about why we're here. And yet to see others, yours enthusiasm, boy, it just carries us along. And it helps us really become excited about this. So I've been looking forward to today for ever since last week. Really, it's just been a countdown to get back to today and to do this again. And we really see the fingerprints of God everywhere on Coastline. You know, we, uh, we are in regular contact with the covenant denomination, which we're a part of. I'll be telling you more about that as we kind of go through these launch team meetings. But Garrick and I have at least one meeting with the covenant every day. <laughs> Sometimes two or three meetings with them as they coach us and help us and guide us through this process. And as we tell them about what is happening, they just laugh and they said, Sean, what you're going to realize is that God has already written every check that Coastline's going to need. And you're just going to get to open them up slowly over time and see what he's already planned and already provided for you. And this home feels like that. And you feel like that. And seeing what God is doing as we begin to move towards a children's director hire, as we make contact with facilities for leasing, which we're doing. And cross your fingers, we, we see some really positive signs with that. We're really hoping we're going to have an announcement for you soon. We just see God having done so many things for us already. And we're really excited. And we're really excited because we really believe in the vision of Coastline Covenant. Now, we shared this with you last week, and I'm sure you heard it and forgot it, and that's okay. We're going to do this again and again and again. The vision of Coastline Covenant is to live as God's beloved family, inviting all to experience Jesus. To live as God's beloved family, inviting all to experience Jesus. Let's just say that out loud. We're going to break it in parts. 
Repeat after me. To live as God's beloved family. Let's do that again. To live as God's beloved family. To live as God's beloved family. That's what we want to do here each week. Inviting all to experience Jesus. Say that with me. Inviting all to experience Jesus. Inviting all to experience Jesus. Now, as we do this, Part of the question might be, why is this even important? What does a vision statement even do for us? It's just a bunch of words that companies and corporations and churches put down that we forget about really quick. They're annoying, they take a lot of time, and they don't really have a lot of focus. Our vision statement is essentially going to guide everything that we're going to do at Coastline. It's important for this reason. Sometimes we could join a church and think that the focus of the church is to provide programs that we enjoy and make us happy. That is not what we're going to try to do. I hope you like what we do a lot. I hope you cannot wait to come, but you are not at the center of the target. We are not producing programs and ministries or even anything today trying to think, I hope they really enjoy it. That is not it. And we are not trying to produce this whole thing hoping that we're going to become really big and have a lot of people come. We're not doing this thinking of the budget we could build or the staff that we could hire or how immensely large this thing could be coming. We're not thinking about growth. And we're not necessarily thinking about Garrick and I shaping this church into exactly what we've always wanted it to be so that you and I, so that he and I never have to compromise on anything. None of those things are the focus. Instead, we believe that Jesus has given the church a command that every church is to live into, which is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that he's commanded us because he's with us right now, even to the end of the age. That is the command for every church. That is the center of the bullseye, and that is what every church is trying to do. And so our vision statement is how we as Coastline Covenant are going to try to do that. How we're going to try to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. That is the center of the bullseye. Our center of the bullseye is pleasing Jesus because this is his church. He has founded it, and it can only be built by the blueprints that he has given. And so we want to build in that way. Now, I'm sure that as we build it in that way, that as we plant those seeds, he will bring about the increase. We will see numeric growth. We will see you love it. Garrick and I will love it. But you loving it and me loving it and singing it big is not the goal in and of itself. It is an outcome of being on mission with Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. 1 John 3.1 has become the kind of planting verse for our church that we've talked about, it says this, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called his children, and that is what we are. The word lavish is such a funny one. It is not one that we use very often. And whenever I hear the word lavish, I'm reminded back in the early days of kind of Instagram influencers and, and Twitter because there was this kid named Lavish. And Hunter, you maybe even remember, this is like probably 10, 15 years ago. Now, Lavish was this rich kid who had so much money that he wanted to show the world just how much money he had. And he would do all of these pranks with money, showing how meaningless it was to him because he had so much. There's two videos I remember of Lavish. One of them was him having a fire, but instead of having logs, he was throwing in stacks of $10,000 bills, burning them one after another. Another time he took $100,000 and he tied it to a series of balloons and he went outside and let it go. 
just seeing where it was going to go. And it was these pranks that he would do again and again to show this was the lavish lifestyle he had. This is how much money he had, that he had it in such an abundance that he could just give it away. That is an idea behind the word lavish. What a stupid kid. But when I hear this word, see how great the Father's love for us, that he has lavished on us, that we should be called his children, and that is what we are, I think of that kid again. Because God has lavished love on us. He has not loved us enough that we could, in a sense, become his children. He has not loved us enough to forgive us our sins. He has not loved us enough at the cross. He has loved us in abundance. He has lavished it upon us. It's not just that he paid our debt, it's that he overflowed our accounts. It's not just simply that he forgave us, that he transformed us, he made us new again, that he has absolutely poured all of his blessing upon us. Jesus gave us the guacamole at Chipotle, that he gave us the leather interior, that he has given us above and beyond anything that we would ever need because his love is so much that he just pours it out until you and I just drown in lavish love. In fact, God's love for us is so great that it is more scandalous than anything lavish could have ever done. I mean, honestly, it is so ridiculous how much God has loved us and all of our mess, and all of our brokenness, that he has loved us to such a degree that when we look at it, you go, it's just, it's almost wrong to love someone that much, forgiven who they are. And yet this, this is what God does, that his love is scandalous in this way to us, that it is so overwhelming, overbounding, that God loves us like this. And his love is shown in the fact that you and I are called his children. That's what the passage says, that his love is lavish and that he has made us children of God. And the scripture says that he did this before we'd ever done anything to deserve it. That when we were at our worst, that is when he died for us. And again, Jesus came to make us followers. He came to make us disciples. He came to make us apprentices. He told us that we must leave everything behind and come and follow him. All of that is true. But what becomes before we are disciples, what comes before we are apprentices is the fact that we are children. And it is out of that childhood of God that then we follow and walk and apprentice and learn. You see, it is at the cross that we become truly God's children, not metaphorically. We are not kind of like his children. We are actually adopted into his family and a church is formed. And the picture of that just drives Garrick and I so strong. It keeps us up at night with excitement, knowing that this here is not meant to be a thing that we attend, but a group and a family that we belong to. And we so badly want to see that actually become real and we begin to do it. And that's why we do evangelism. This is why we reach out because we are inviting others to come and experience Jesus. We want them to come and know this father who loves them in this way that if they could see it actually represented, it would take their breath away. That it is that lavish in the love that God has and we're welcoming everybody in. Now, How are we going to actually do it, though? How are we actually going to bring this vision statement off of a piece of paper and bring it to life so it actually becomes true of who Coastline is? This is what we're calling our mission statement. This is how we're going to do the vision that God has given us is this, that we want to make joyful and courageous followers of Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make joyful and courageous followers of Jesus. You are the way we're going to do it. 
We are going to be investing in you. I love the word there, to make, that we have, that we are here to make you into something. Sometimes all that we do at church kind of lends itself to, um, uh, how do you want to say it? A, a sense of entertaining you. You can see that sometimes with the elaborate performances and, and lights, and this is every church, right? The, the way that we can kind of try to really impress you or we can give you an impression that I am very impressive and that you are here to support me and because I'm doing so many great things. And if you support me as the pastor or the person on stage, the worship band, well, then that's what you exist is to be a supporter of the impressive person. Uh, we can get into all of these ways of thinking that somehow uh, you're supposed to be passive and we are supposed to be active. And that's what a good, healthy church is. And that's not at all what we're trying to do from the beginning at Coastline. You know, our plan to invite people to come and experience God and to live as his beloved family is you. We want to be investing in you. You know, Jesus said that the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And his solution was, so go and pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers. Not to hire more managers, but more workers. His solution to the lack of people coming to know Christ, it is not me, it is you. And so as we do this ministry, we're hoping to develop you, invest in you, help you love Jesus so much that you can go out and be a part of bringing in these people who God loves, but are currently living distant and as enemies of God. You know, I was really deeply moved at one point uh, last year, reading through Ephesians 4.12, it says this. So Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to whole measure of, God, of the fullness of God. What is my job? It is to remove every obstacle from you, to give you the word of God, to encourage you and build you up so that you can go and do ministry. I am not here so that I can do ministry and you are not there to support my ministry. I am here to support your ministry, to send you out because there are works of service that God has prepared in advance for you to do. There are people that only you can reach. There are people in your life that you're in relationship. There are gifts that you have that are waiting to be born out. There's a word and a story, a testimony that you have that has meaning and purpose and God wants to take that and use that to bring in this harvest of people because there aren't enough workers right now. And so our job here, the way that we're going to help people come into God's beloved family is to turn you loose by resourcing you and helping you realize that God is with you, wanting to move through you, and that there are people who are ready to come to know God simply if there's an invitation that's given. We exist as much for those who are not here as for those who are here. And our mind is always on that. And that is why we are really drawn to this word here about joy. That we want to be joyful. And we want to be courageous. Our joy took a beating this year. And that happened uh, mentally, emotionally, relationally. There's a lot of reasons to have our joy, to have it be dented. And yet I'm reminded of James 1 where he says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials. So joy and trials aren't necessarily something that have to be opposite of one another. In fact, your trials can sharpen your joy. 
But I think for some of us, we lost some of that this year, that our joy got squashed by our circumstances. And man, don't I understand that? And yet I'm reminded about Nehemiah. When Nehemiah is telling the people to build the wall, he tells them, remember, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That part of being strong is going to fuel joy, or sorry, part of having joy is going to help us in strength. If our joy is squashed, if our joy is damaged, then that means that we're probably not going to be very strong. We're going to be easily knocked down, easily tipped over if we don't have the joy of the Lord. Look, I don't know what this year is going to have. Maybe it's going to be better. I think it is. Maybe it's going to be worse. But regardless, joy is something that is above our situation. And so you can be as pessimistic as you want to about what this year is going to be. You can still be optimistic in Jesus. You can be as pessimistic in the politics or in California or in the taxes or in the vaccine or the court, whatever it is. Be as pessimistic as you want. There's always a reason to be optimistic in Jesus. Why? Because he is greater than all things. He is above and beyond. He works through that. He redeems. He bends things to his will. So it doesn't matter how you think about today or tomorrow, what might be coming. You can be confident that Jesus is with us. And he loves us with this lavish kind of love that we just can't quench, that we just can't stop. And so you and I can be optimistic in him and just let everything else go into pessimism because ultimately he is above that and he is greater. And if we have this kind of joy, then we believe that it's going to lead us to be courageous people. Because ultimately, you know that God is doing something. I'm convinced that evangelism hinges really on two things in our lives. That we naturally share our faith when we are proud of God and when we're proud of our church. And if you are proud of God and proud of church, then you're going to invite people to come to know both. Now, maybe God has become a little bit small to you and you've lost some of your pride in him. Maybe you got focused on your circumstances. We want to be a place that tries to help you reattach to your joy in him again. And we want to be the kind of church that you look at and that you are proud of as well. Not because of the elaborate performances we have or the fancy videos that we shoot in my kitchen using my daughter's desk. We're not here to try to be impressive in those ways, but in the way that we love one another, that you know that you can invite someone in because when they come to church, they're coming to a home. You know, to do this, we're going to have to embrace a lot of values. There's things that we're going to have to do differently. And I'm going to invite Garrick up to talk about some of the core values that are going to be guiding Coastline as we move forward. Come get him. 